Hey folks, I'm Clayton Collins, CEO at Housing Wire and your host for the Housing News Podcast. And as we close out 2023 and prepare for next year, we're taking a moment at Housing Wire to look back at some of the amazing content and interviews that we hosted here on the Housing News Podcast. In today's episode of Housing News, we're going to feature seven of our most prominent and popular podcast episodes from the year. We've gone back and pulled out specific clips and segments from these interviews that we hope adds value to you as you prepare your strategies for origination and servicing or leadership and corporate strategy for 2024. These segments focus in on three core areas, industry learnings on servicing and origination tactics, leadership and corporate strategy, and finally, housing market data and intelligence. The seven executives that we're going to spotlight in this episode include Jay Bray, the CEO of Mr. Cooper Group, Lee Smith, president of mortgage at Flagstar, Dave Licken, the founder and president of Transformational Mortgage Solutions, Marina Walsh, VP of Industry Analysis at the Mortgage Bankers Association, Chris Mayer, the CEO of Longbridge Financial and a professor at Columbia Business School, Brian Hale, the CEO of Mortgage Advisory Partners, and Jay Promisco, Chief Production Officer of Sierra Pacific Mortgage. I really hope you find these interview clips as impactful as I have and take this knowledge that we're going to share with you today to have a more impactful 2024. All right, let's get started. The first executive that we're going to spotlight in this special feature is Jay Bray. The episode was called A Path to Building a Trillion Dollar Mortgage Servicing Rights Business. And the segment that we're going to spotlight from Jay really focuses on servicing and origination strategies for independent mortgage banks and how depository banks are thinking about originations and servicing portfolios in 2023 and beyond. One of my favorite lines of this episode was talking about the recurring revenue of the mortgage business. And um, you'll, you'll get a glimpse into what Jay's thinking about that in this clip. Let's jump in. So there's two industry trends that, that we've been watching. So over the last several years, we saw independent mortgage banks start to build their servicing portfolios when origination volumes were, were growing quickly. And in the last year, we started to see them release some of that those servicing volumes as they've been hunting for hunting for cash flow or whatever the the reason the reason may be. And I imagine that's part of that four trillion that you kind of forecast will will come to market in the next few years. How do you think about IMB's appetite to retain or release servicing or any insight you can provide into the decision making process of a mortgage bank leader on when they retain and and when they sell? Yeah, I think you probably hit the nail on the head. I think ultimately it comes down to economics, right? When, you, when you're when you in this type of environment where your origination margins are very thin, in some cases, you know, you're not profitable at all and you're certainly not cash flow positive, I think that drives the IMBs to to look to sell the, the servicing, right? It just It's just the fundamental economics of the business are really driving that uh, behavior. And and that to your point, that's where we see, you know, massive opportunity, both from a legacy standpoint, so where they did retain in the past, as well as current production. And um I think it's pretty much that simple. I mean it's it's just very difficult to retain uh servicing in this type of environment, you know, if you if you don't ha- if you're not making a ton of money in rotations yeah. and you're not generating positive cash flow. Do you think it's a smart strategy though? Like if you're a originations focused <laughs> mortgage bank leader, um, 
the servicing portfolio is gold. Like that's the recurring revenue of the mortgage industry. So like, should, like, if I'm running a big retail mortgage bank, is it just smarter to like cut to the bone on the origination side and keep the the servicing portfolio? Like how how do you think (laughs) about like from a business strategy? Well, obviously we're, we're all about the balanced business model. So from our perspective, we, we think the balanced business model is the right way to go. We love it. And to your point, in this market, in this environment, we are, you know, the servicing business is just, it's, it's amazing. And so, yeah, I think if you can retain the servicing, I think that's the wise choice because in this, and in, when you're inevitably, we're going to enter a cycle like we're in now, and that's going to really be, you know, yeah. your anchor to kind of get you through that. Now, I would say, you know, for some originators, Servicing's not an easy business, right? Servicing is a pretty complicated business. It takes a lot of investment. You need scale. And so, you know, I think for some, you know, operators and originators are like, look, I, I don't want to deal with that, right? I really don't want to make those investments and and continue to have to make those investments. So I'd rather just stay in my lane. And when, when times are good, I will originate, originate, originate. And when they're not, you know, I'll hunker down sell the servicing and try to make it through to the other side. But having a choice, uh, I think you would you certainly want to keep the servicing. It just makes sense to me. Uh, the other big trend we're watching is the activities of depositories. I, I recently had Lee Smith from Flagstar on this podcast, and he talked about some of the advantages of their their recent acquisition by NYCB and what that's opened up from a, a balance sheet perspective. And you know, as a leader of a mortgage bank inside of a depository, Lee has some strong views on the advantages of being a bank in the in the mortgage industry. How do you think of banks' positions as originators or holders of MSRs? Is that a I think that's a, a trend that we'll see? Like we saw we saw kind of a reversal, right? Where the, the banks weren't as active in mortgage. Do you think that's a trend that will reverse itself and we'll see more activity from the depository side? I do not actually. I think it's um, you'll see the trend continue where mortgage will certainly be a product, but I don't think you're going to see significant investment in MSRs. I don't think you're going to see, you know, significant investment in their servicing platforms. I I just don't see that trend reversing. And with the new proposed capital rules, I I think that only exacerbates, you know, the issue and will lead more institutions uh, to start thinking about, hey, we probably need to sell some MSRs. So that's, if you think about, when we think about the $4 trillion, Obviously, a big piece of that's IMBs, but we also think, you know, we know there's a couple large institutions selling MSRs as we speak, and I think there more, more will join that list. The last episode with Jay Bray referenced an interview with Lee Smith. And in this spotlight episode with Lee that I recorded in July, Lee and I spend time discussing the muscle that you flex to really focus on profitability while also balancing the emphasis on profitable growth and consolidating market share. My favorite part of this interview are Lee's comments on leadership, teamwork, and communication. Take a listen. First and foremost, I'm a big believer in in teamwork. Um, And I played a lot of sport when I was younger. Um, and we're much stronger together. And you'll hear a lot of people talk about teamwork, but when we talk about teamwork, it's about being collaborative, helping each other be as successful as we can possibly be. 
Uh, it's about being communicative. I'm a big believer that communication isn't just top down, it's bottoms up and it's across. Uh, if we share information, we're stronger, knowledge is power. And so I wanna make sure the team has the tools and the platform to be as successful as they can possibly be. But I need the team to tell me what they need. Uh, and so we're very communicative uh, and we're transparent. Uh, I believe that anybody should be able to go and talk to anybody about anything at any time. And so when we talk about teamwork, it's around um, it, it, collaboration, communication and transparency. And then I think the other two values uh, that we really do uh, believe in are providing great service. We always talk about going that extra mile for our customers. And when I talk about customers, that doesn't just apply to our external customers. It's how we treat each other internally. Uh, we want to treat you want to treat everybody with respect. Treat people how you would want to be treated. And I think that starts to then build the next value, which is trust. Uh, I'm a big believer that it doesn't matter whether it's a personal or a business relationship. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything. And then finally, we believe in accountability. We want to empower our people to make decisions. We're not micromanagers. As I mentioned, we want to give the team the tools and the platform to be as successful as they can be. And good people uh, make good decisions. So at Flagstar, we're a big believer in Good to Great by Jim Collins. Mm -hmm. um, and that talks about putting the right people in the right seats on the bus. You empower them to make decisions they'll make good decisions and they'll do uh, what's good for the organization. And so those are some of the values and, and, the, and, and the culture that, that we believe in that, that also facilitates that team-oriented approach and keeps everybody calm. On the topic of leadership, I'd be amiss not to spotlight this episode with Dave Licken, the founder and president of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. This episode was titled A Game of Six Inches with Dave Licken, and we talk a lot about leadership. In the episode, Dave shares some anecdotes about Casey Crawford of Movement Mortgage and Matt Ishbia of UWM. Thinking of these two gentlemen, it becomes pretty clear that both of them were very competitive athletes earlier in their lives. And we talk a lot about how that transition from being athlete to executive impacts executive strategy and some of the outcomes that these two executives have been able to deliver. I hope you enjoy this clip with Dave Licken. Do you think there's something there and like that, that athletic background and what these two gentlemen have built in their respective organizations? I think it has more to do with attitude and overcoming adversity. Uh, I was just recently with Casey. He spoke at an event that I was attending in Denver and we pulled aside and he was very gracious to give me a good amount of time. We get together every chance we get together, we're going to get together. We talk, we, we talk about those earlier days. Same thing with Matt. It's certainly because they haven't faced just because they're athletes and because they've had success. And in cases, both cases, they're, they're good looking, dynamic, <laughs> I mean, wonderful personalities. And, uh, so you'd say, well, that's just, that's how they got to be successful. No, those, the problems that hit the market have hit the industry, have hit them as hard. And in some cases, I can speak, think of specific stories. It's hit them harder because of the success they started growing and enjoying. So in those times, I think it's more about I mean, golf and mortgage lending is a game of six inches. It's what's going on between your ears. How are you thinking and I think athletes have a mindset that is 
an overcoming mindset. Obstacles are challenges. Obstacles are not going to take me out. And they focus on that. So I would say the common denominator is a mindset, a competitive attitude. I will not be taken out. This difficulty will not get me. And Casey shared a story uh, with, and, and I'll never forget the, the one of the stories he, he allows me to tell was there when he first launched the business, he didn't start making money right out of the gate. In fact, he was losing a significant amount. And his wife, Michelle says, honey, I know you really think you're supposed to be doing this, but this is costing us all. It's draining us. What are you thinking? And he, he, he cried out and says, I thought I was supposed to be doing this. And he literally <laughs> the way he tells the story, I can't remember if he called me and then saw the rainbow or saw the rainbow and then called me, I don't know, but I'd already been working with him, but he had gone away. And one of the things he said is there's ever a mistake I've made is not picking up the phone enough and calling. I think it's in times of difficulty, do we need to reach out more so than ever? Volumes down. Should I, do I need a consult? Do I need a coach? And I do both of those things. And the answer is yes, more than ever. And that's the time you can least afford it. Casey reached back out. I gave him suggestions, changed these three things. It sounds like take three aspen. Take a, <laughs> a good night's nice rest and call me Dr. Morning. Mortgage over here. And it felt like that. I was chuckling when I said it, one of my business partners in the car and he goes, that sounded like a prescription more than advice. <laughs> and and he, it turned the corner for him though. I think it's oftentimes you look at a big train, you can see. You can get a, keep a train moving by just putting a, a rock about the size of a quarter in front of one of those big wheels. It can't get moving. But once it's moving, that rock doesn't stand a chance in that. And I think it, so it's getting, keeping us in motion and in motion and eliminating emotion at times. Although I think it's so important that we be emoted. I think having good emotions is healthy. It inspires and lifts our organizations. And now it's time to talk data. This segment is from an amazing podcast episode with Marina Walsh, recorded in July. So, like, let's take some context here. We're, we're in December. This is from July. A lot of the learnings hold very true, but some things have changed in the market. Marina is the vice president of industry analysis at the Mortgage Bankers Association. And this conversation focuses on the MBA's profitability studies. In this specific segment, Marina talks about how the sheer change in rates and volume have driven decision-making and expense profiles for lenders. Take a listen. It's hard. I go to these conferences and, and folks, I feel like they're going to start throwing rotten tomatoes <laughs> at me because I show these charts that show this, you know, study high $13,000 uh, per loan in, in, in costs. And, it, it's just, uh, it, it, it's really hard because many of them say, Marina, we're down to the bone. We need our loan officers in place in order to get production in the door. So there's only so much cutting that we can do. And we did have another chart of the week that I think, Clayton, is really interesting that looks at those per loan figures, yeah, uh, 13,000 per loan in losses versus same store gross expense reduction. And if you look from peak to trough, there's been expense reduction of 58% um, based on our quarterly performance report. 13,000 is the cost to originate, but the loss is, has been in like the, the, the 2,800 range in Q4 and 2,000 range in Q1. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been in that range. I I like thinking about net production income in terms of basis points, but negative 68 basis points. Um, But, but again, in terms of gross costs, 58% drop um, from peak to trough in terms of where we are. So it's not as if uh, these companies have just been sitting around twiddling their thumbs. It's just the sheer change over such a short period of time. You know, 10 Fed funds rate cuts, you know, or, or increases rather. Oh, goodness, we wish. Um, increases plus potentially another. If, if you just think about this, the sheer change in volume, and it's even more pronounced when you look at units instead of dollar volume. If you look at the unit count, which by the way, MBA is tracking now, it's even more of a decline. So just in 2023, we're talking about a 26% uh, decline in units. So the unit volume in 2023 will be the lowest in over two decades. Um, You know, we went back and started to look at that. So, you know, it's just, um, you know, I hate to use the word unprecedented because it's used over and over again. But again, I, I have never seen anything like this. You know, it's just, um, it's definitely a a different environment. I thought in 2008, 9, 10, you know, when we had the Great Recession, you know, we did have a period in which um, rates were dropping. We had harp volume, we had ham volume, you know, there was volume coming in. But this is just, again, a different situation, you know, with low housing inventory, just no housing inventory out there. There's plenty of demand. Um, I think even with rates where they are now, I remember when I got my rate back in year 2000 and it was, you know, maybe 6.75 and I said, woohoo, 6.75. That's great. You know, but you know, we have this situation, the structural under undersupply of housing which is is adding another twist to things, a huge twist. Staying on the topic of leadership and corporate strategy, this next guest brings a whole career of experience leading mortgage banks to the conversation. Today, Brian Hale serves as the CEO of Mortgage Advisory Partners. And in this entire episode, we talked about M&A, executive mindset, and plans for 2024. But this clip, this clip from the venerable Brian Hale, focuses on a great analogy, talking about not going extinct. I hope you enjoyed this segment with Brian Hale. I I use this metaphor of T-Rex a lot in some of my conversations. You know, if you look at T-Rex when they roamed the earth, for 300 million years, they were the top of the food chain, right? So think of them as the number one market share, right? And they didn't get a lot of grief. They went around, they went whatever they wanted to do. They ate Others, they made little T-Rexes and moved on, right? <laughs> that was their life. Not a bad life for right? T-Rexes. Pretty good years. For, for 300 million years, they dominated the world. Have you seen one lately? The answer is no, of course, because they went extinct. Why did they go extinct? Most paleontologists will tell you they went extinct because some existential event happened in the world that killed off the leaves and the vegetation that the animals that T-Rex used to eat fed on. Those animals died off. T-Rex starved to death. Unfortunately, T-Rex had a brain the size of a walnut and could not adapt to their changing environment. Sound familiar? 
Is there anything changing in the real estate or mortgage business in the last, so let's say five years? Hey, How about the next five years? You're, you're connecting the dots right now. You're, yeah. bring, you're bringing the full picture. Let's, right. my, view, agent, my, my, my view is that change is going to accelerate at an ever increasing rate over the next five years. Yeah. Right. So when I speak to large groups, I do a fair amount of circle of excellence, president's club type presentations for big groups or their top agents. And I've always asked them, so I have my question to you. Are you evolving with your business? Are you rethinking your business today? Or are you T-Rex in search of a tar pit? Right? Because if, if you're not evolving, if you don't accept the fact that every single thing in our business has changed and is changing at an ever-increasing rate, you're not paying attention. And the business will eventually leave you. It's not that you're going to leave the business right? The process. That's where you need to focus. Data, thoughtfulness, be the CEO of your own business. Think about how you run it. Think about your value to your company. What are you doing to help your company be profitable? Can you help? Can you have that mindset to do those kinds of things? And are you thoughtful about how you run your business? This segment features one of my favorite executives from 2023, Chris Mayer, the CEO of Longbridge Financial and also a professor at Columbia Business School. The episode focused on housing policy, securitization, and building the nation's largest wholesale reverse mortgage lender. But what we're really going to spotlight today is Chris's perspectives as an executive and economist and how that flows through to how he leads his organization and operates his business. Hope you enjoy this expertise from Chris Mayer. I mean, Volcker became famous by pushing rates up higher for longer to fight and stop inflation debt. And so what the Fed is saying about inflation is what the Fed did You know, there were 30 years of Fed shares going back before him that kept talking about inflation, but didn't take the steps necessary. And base inflation just kept rising a little bit all the time. I will say that one difference between the economy now versus the economy then is that labor markets are just different. You know, at that time, you had a lot more union labor in the 60s, 70s, even 80s. So when the union signs a contract, you know, when inflation is high, unions sign contracts and wages go up by, you know, 5% a year, 7% a year instead of 2 or 3% a year. That embeds wage growth into the economy in ways that we don't see so much today. So I do think the idea of getting embedded inflation and expectations hasn't really happened. There's not lots of data to see that people are you know, demanding huge wage increases that are going to last for years. So I do think inflation is easier to get rid of in the labor market relative to that time. And so we face, in that sense, it's sort of good news that, you know, rate increases are helpful. The, the challenge is that we're seeing, you know, fiscal policy that was extremely, you know, loose, and we had, you know, trillions of dollars of checks written to consumers post-COVID. That combined with low mortgage rates for households and other things means that people really have a lot of money. There's a lot of people with a lot of money. And the strong consumer spending has kept up, which has made it hard to slow the economy, which is the challenge the Fed is having in terms of trying to slow inflation, plus you've got a war going on in, you know, in Ukraine and, you know, other headwinds that are real headwinds. So it's a different environment, but I think the channel of the financial sector is something that we just should be continuing to watch. 
And it may be the case in an odd way that seeing the economy slow more than we expect would actually be good news because it would put less pressure on inflation. It would allow interest rates to fall, and that would take some of the pressure out of the financial system. You can see scenarios where which are not like the world just collapses, et cetera. So I'm not just saying, oh, my God, the world's going to end. But there are scenarios that get pretty bad in the financial sector. And in a way, there are scenarios in which inflation stays high and the economy doesn't slow, because those are scenarios where rates continue to stay high or even have to go higher. And those are things where you then have pressure in the banking system, which then you know, has problems, which eventually lead to a more abrupt, you know, abrupt challenges. So it's a, it's a risky time at the moment. It's hard to, as a housing professional, to kind of square off what's happening in housing versus the rest of the economy, where we're still in this incredibly low unemployment environment. We still have inflation. The economy is still humming. But mortgage and real estate, we've seen volume fall off a cliff over the last 11, 12 months, um, put intense pressure on mortgage lender P&Ls, put people out of business, move people into forced consolidation scenarios. We're seeing drastic headcount reductions across across the industry. So it is a, um, you know, it takes kind of like taking off the glasses for a second to be like, oh, this is what's happening in, the, in our little corner of the ecosystem here. And we still have a you know, relatively humming economy and like the broader U.S. economy. And then we have this like banking slash commercial real estate crisis, like sitting on the horizons. It's a, there's a lot of pieces moving. It's sometimes it's hard to like take off the mortgage hat for a minute and see everything else that's happening in the, in the ecosystem. I mean, one of the things I really enjoy about my career and what I do is, you know, by teaching at Columbia, by continuing to keep a foot in the door there's a lot of things I learn and continue to be able to do. And I do think that I'm lucky in the sense to be able to kind of talk to people and see sort of a broader perspective on how things operate. And it, you know, it helps me as a CEO make decisions that are different. You know, there have been a lot of financial stress on the companies in the reverse mortgage business. And for me to be able to, you know, one of the things we learned coming out of 2008 is the risks that duration mismatch and that securitization place on balance sheets of non-bank lenders. And we as a company, Longbridge, have been very careful in working with our parent Ellington to be careful not to load up our balance sheet and take the kinds of risks that put the company at risk that have other, you know, that participants in this industry have done differently. And those were real lessons that came from you know, from my background, from our background, Ellington very much thinks about the world the same way we do. Um, you know, there are real lessons you can learn. And sometimes folks in business tend to be more narrowly focused on what's going on in my little area of the world, what's going on and what I'm doing. And seeing the world a little bit more broadly can be helpful in trying to run a company, not only in the financial side and the technology side, all the different kinds of things that you're often reporting on. And so, you know, having Wire kind of looking across the larger, you know, real estate universe, I think gives people who are readers the opportunity to see a broader perspective on the world. And it's one that I value personally in my day-to-day job. You have to dig into the weeds, but at the same time, seeing the forest for the trees 
is very helpful in seeing what's going on, you know, in the world. In the final spotlight from our top episodes of 2023 in the Housing News Podcast is a special episode that I recorded this month with Jay Promisco, the Chief Production Officer of Sierra Pacific Mortgage. This is an episode that I had planned before I even found the guest, and our community at Housing Wire helped surface Jay as an expert on building teams in very challenging environments and creating cohesion between sales and operations teams. I really hope this segment with Jay Promisco helps set the tone for your plans for 2024. Um, the, for the for whole industry, the, it's exceptionally bright out there. There is a lot of momentum going in to 24 and 25. Again, I'm long-term. So I, I don't really care what happens in January or February. I really don't. Um, that's already in the cards. We have no control over those things. But what I do have control over is what the rest of 24 and 25, 26 look like. I said at Housing Wire, I've already made it through this thing. So I think we're in the bottom of the eighth, maybe the ninth inning of this cycle. And I'm still standing. And the company's still around. And we're going to be a force to reckon with for over the next couple of years. Um, some companies, again, they didn't make the decisions they should have early enough. And they're kind of freaking out. They're going to miss the next wave. And that's okay with me. I say this a lot. I love this industry a lot more than anything besides my family it's the requirement um, for success in this industry is to be exceptional at your job um, we've seen that when the boom times happen people come out of you know your uber drivers doing loans these aren't professionals the people that made it through the last 24 months are the true professionals in this industry they found a way to make it work they work harder than anybody in the industry and they're going to be exceptionally rewarded as we move into the next couple of years. And so, um, you know, the, the industry needed a cleansing, so to speak. I think that happened. There's like, if you look at the NMLS registries, there's a whole bunch of loan officers not renewing. They're going to go do something else. And that's great for the people that are going to stick around. You look at the real estate industry, you know, you know, the yoga teacher is probably can't sell real, real estate this year. So who's going to be left? the people that are actually really, really good at their jobs. And so the real estate industry is going to be more professional in the next couple of years. The mortgage business is going to be more professional in the next couple of years. More people will be doing the right things. And the right thing is, is back, I talked about at the beginning, what do we do for a living? We are in charge of the largest financial transaction of somebody's life. You've got to do it exceptionally well. They deserve it. We owe it to them to do this thing right. And so, frankly, I tell my team, the future is really, really bright this next couple of years, right? That the hard stuff is over. We've been through hard. Now it's time to go, you know, reap what we sowed, all the framework we put in place the last couple of years. And maybe 24 is, is a little better, but at some point, there's another market out there that we're going to be ready to attack. That's what I would tell my team. That's what I would tell anybody that's left standing in this business. Continue to work at your craft. Continue to get better every day. Help your team members get better every day. Hire a bunch of smart people and your life will be really, really good. All right, folks, that is a wrap on our recap for Housing News 2023. We had phenomenal guests, 52 of them to be exact. And these seven are just a small representation of the incredible expertise that 
our housing industry professionals brought forward on this podcast. I really hope you're excited for what 2024 has to bring on this show and inside of your business. Next week, I have the final guest in the final episode of the year. It's going to be someone near and dear to the Housing Wire community, and you're really going to love this content and love her perspectives. And I'll also tease out to you right now that episode next week is going to be kind of the end of an era. So uh, stay tuned. I hope you love the episode with our guests next week and pay attention because we have some announcements to come. Folks, thank you for tuning in in 2023. We appreciate your support and listens. And also please rate us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate that. Have a great, great holidays.